0: welcome. I've seen some visitors. I've, I've seen visitors that have been here before. Great to see you back again. I'm Pastor Dan, as you know. The title of my sermon this morning is The Battle for the Mind. My text is 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5. I use the New King James. You'll find that in an insert in the bulletin together with the sermon outline for your easy reference. I consider it somewhat of a dry academic kind of sermon. You're not going to be hanging from the rafters when you hear it. But it's something that I believe is an essential thing to put out there. Now, while I'm thinking about it, I sound very, very loud to myself. I have an echo. Is that what you guys are hearing as well? No? no? Well, then it doesn't matter. I'll hear myself and try to repeat it. They're okay? All right. Well, let's pray with me as I usually do on Psalm 19.14. I, I, I want to lift this sermon up to God to, and this service to God, asking that his anointing on all that comes before him this morning take place. And so, dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen? You know, there's an old football adage that is as old as football itself. It is the first truth you better learn about winning. And that is that the team that controls the line of scrimmage usually wins the game. Now, I want you to get this down into your heart. The mind is the line of scrimmage in your life. And whoever controls this line of scrimmage controls your life. You know the passage that we're studying this morning says 2 Corinthians ten three to five. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Amen? You know, as you read this passage of Scripture, certain terms almost leap out of the page. Terms such as war, weapons, warfare, strongholds. It is as if Paul has transported us to the front lines of a battlefield. And the reason for that is there is a battle for your mind taking place at this very moments. And Paul here compares the mind to a fortress. He says your mind is like a castle. It's, it's like a stronghold. It is constantly under attack. There is a battle raging within your mind in which the only prisoner that can be taken is you. The devil wants to make your mind his spiritual headquarters. You are the target and your mind is the bullseye. Now, why would the devil be so interested in your mind? Well, the answer is very simple. If, if, you, if he can control your mind, he can control you because the mind is the control center of who we are. That's what the Bible means when it says in Proverbs 23, 7, For as a man thinks, so is he. You are not what you eat. You are what you think. I heard about a lady who went to see a psychiatrist, and she said, Doctor, you've got to help my husband. The doctor said, What's wrong with him? She said, He thinks he's a racehorse. The doctor said, How do you know? She said, Well, he wants to live in a stable. He walks around on all fours, and he likes to eat hay. And the doctor said, Well, I'm sure I can cure him. That it will take a long time and will cost a tremendous amount of money. The lady said, Not a problem. Money's no object. He's already won two races. <laughs> you really are what you think. The fact is, when it comes to spiritual warfare, the game is all mental. You know, there's an old proverb that put it this way. And I was told by my wife after the first service to please. Say it slowly so they can take notes. My response was, I'll read it kind of slow, but I think they can always ask me after the service to repeat it. Here's the proverb. You sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. But notice that the beginning link of the chain is the thought. In other words, it's all in the mind. If you're going to win the mind games that the devil and the world will try to play with you, you must realize that you not only learn with your mind, but you have to learn about your mind. And this morning, we find here three things we need to learn. These will help us to guard our minds against the attacks of the devil so that God can then use our mind for his glory. And for our good. So, first, learn that Satan wants to capture our mind. Our text, verse 3, states, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. See, Paul clues us in on the fact that even though there is a war going on, it is an invisible war, it's not a military war, it is a mental war. It is a war that is not only in the mind, it is of the mind, and it is for the mind. And from the time Satan had entered into this world, he always had one strategy to to conquer, to attack this world. And he wants to capture, control, and corrupt the minds of men. And the reason is very simple. He knows if he can get us to think wrongly, he can then cause us to act wrongly. Now, don't be surprised that the devil is interested in your mind. The most powerful force in the world today is the human mind. Did you know that if you could build a computer that could do everything that one human mind could do, this computer would have to be the size of the Empire State Building and occupy a space of a city block width and city block depth. And as a Christian Christian, you also need to understand that the mind was originally enemy hell territory. Before you became a Christian, Colossians 121 tells us that you once were alienated and enemies in your mind. But when you gave your heart to Christ, he storms the citadel of your mind, breaks down the wall, casts the devil out, and he takes over. But the devil is never will never give in. He never gives up. He wants to take your mind back because he considers that occupied territory and he will not give it up without a fight. You know, it's not easy to be a soldier. It is easy to be a soldier in a parade. The weapons aren't loaded. There are no enemies firing back and all you have to do is just stay in step. But when you are in a war, your weapons better be loaded. The enemy's always near. And you better do everything you can to stay alive and win the battle. But I'm convinced the problem with a lot of Christians is they think they're in a parade instead of a war. They don't mind coming to a nice, comfortable church, singing a few songs and listening to a little nice message, and then spending the rest of their week doing exactly what they want to do. They're not interested in knowing how to go to war. And that's why we have so many casualties on the spiritual battlefield. So you better listen to what I am about to tell you. Satan has aimed hell's heaviest artilleries at your mind. He storms your fortress every day with all the strength that he can muster, and you will never win this war until you realize that it's going on. So learn this. Satan wants to capture your mind because if he captures your mind, he captures you. Secondly, learn that the world wants to contaminate your mind. Our text, verse 4, states, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now we know what the devil wants to do. He wants to lift up every barrier he can to keep you from the knowledge of God. How does he do this? Well, first of all, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 tells us that he darkens the mind of the sinner whose mind the gods of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. That is the reason why this world rejects knowledge of God and does not love God and cares not to obey God. It's because the world is literally flying blind. You see, this world cannot see spiritual truth for two reasons. First of all, it just can't see it. Paul said earlier in this book, 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But secondly, the greater problem in this world who rejects spiritual truth. It's what Jesus said in John 3, 19 to 20, which states, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. The world is in darkness. Not because there is no light, but because the world loves darkness rather than light. You know, some years back we learned that Larry King had asked Chuck Colson, who was an evangelist at that time, asked him to go out to dinner. He told Chuck Colson, the invitation was for one purpose. He said, I'm going to give you two hours to convince me that Jesus Christ is Savior, Lord, and King. At the end of the two-hour conversation, Larry King said, I'm not convinced. Chuck Colson said, I don't believe you want to be convinced. And Larry King said, you're right. That is exactly why once a person hears the gospel and rejects Jesus, his number one problem is not that he cannot be saved. His number one problem is he will not be saved. That's Hebrews 11, verses 4 to 6. But the other thing the devil does is he defiles the mind of the saved. 2 Corinthians eleven three. 3, Paul warns against the danger of our minds being corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ, You see, Satan will use anything he can to pollute the river of your mind. And I believe he has more tools at his disposal to pose in the rivers of your mind today than ever before. Then me give you a few tools that he uses every day to pollute the minds of the Christian. First tool is movies. In the last 30 years in this country, we have seen the movie industry decay like rotten fruit. Religion is presented as, at best as irrelevant. Preachers of the gospel presented as deceitful, money-grabbing men who cannot be trusted. Now, I am not against movies, although I would hasten to add, very few make the cut for a spirit-filled Christian, in my opinion. But if you do go to a movie, I want you to at least remember the kind of people that are making them. In a recent research study, which was done on movie makers, it found that 65% of them said they have no religion. 96% of them say they seldom or never attend worship. 95% say it is okay, right, to have an abortion. Only 77% agree that homosexuality is wrong. Only 13% agree that adultery is wrong. And only 1% agree that the media has been too critical of traditional values. Another tool he uses is the media. I'm speaking specifically about television. You know, when I was going through these (coughs) stats, I was amazed to learn that there are more homes in America that have television than have indoor plumbing. Ninety-eight percent of all the homes in this country have at least one TV. In the average home, television is on for at least seven hours every day. That means that the average American watches more than 1,200 hours of television a year. So if the typical American lives to 870, he will have spent 10 full years of 24-hour days in front of the television. What is the problem with television? Well, listen to this. On TV shows, sitcoms and the like, 94% of all sexual relationships occur between unmarried people. Extramarital affairs are mentioned on television shows five times more than conventional acceptable marital relations. And even though 60 million Americans go to church regularly in this country, how many television characters go to church? How many ever pray? How many ever read their Bible? How many live by biblical morality? No, the message we get from TV is loud and clear. Everybody drinks. Everybody has sex. Nobody goes to church. And God is irrelevant third weapon he uses is music. Our young people are being bombarded by obscenity, violence, and perversion in the music they're listening to. Teen Vision Incorporated, which is a nonprofit group that evaluates music and media, they found obscene material prevalent in two-thirds, 66% of the current rock music. And studies now show that the average teenager listens to this music at least four hours a day. So we better learn that the devil is working overtime to corrupt our minds and he's got plenty of tools and allies available to do it. And third, learn that God wants to control your mind. I hope That somehow by now you can see why this war we are fighting is a battle that is one that we cannot afford to lose. Because the only way you can control you is to control your mind, for your mind controls you. President Woodrow Wilson rightly said, He that will not command his thoughts will soon lose command of his actions. But the good news is, we do not fight this war empty handed. We have been given weapons, we find in verses 4 and 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Think about that. God wants every thought brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now I remind you that this is a spiritual war and it will only be won by effective spiritual weapons. You can't fight cancer with an aspirin. And you can't fight this war in the flesh. But you've got to admit some of our hearts and minds are trashed out Let any riffraff knock on the door and we throw it open. Anger shows up and we let him in. Revenge needs a place to stay so we have him pull up a chair. Pity wants to have a party so we show him the kitchen. Lust rings the bell and we change the sheets on the bed. Well, how do we win this battle for the mind? How do we learn to say no to the wrong things and yes to the right things? First of all, we need to refocus the mind. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. I think it's wonderful to realize that we can indeed determine the direction of our minds. Romans 8.6 says, To be spiritually minded is life and peace. What does it mean to be spiritually minded. It simply means that the Holy Spirit of God is always pushing thoughts of God to the forefront of your thinking. You know, when you have a compass in your hand, no matter how you rotate that compass, its needle will always point to the north. And similarly, when you are spiritually minded, no matter what you think about, your mind will always turn to God. Secondly, we need to refill the mind. We need to fill our minds with good, godly thoughts. Now, you may think that's impossible, but think about this. Is it possible to get all of the air out of a glass? Absolutely. All you have to do is fill the glass completely with water. Is it possible to remove the dirtiness and the distortion of the deception from our minds? Absolutely. By filling our mind with thoughts from God. Listen, Paul perf- put it perfectly when he said in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate. Meditate on these things. You see, the key to controlling your mind is not in trying not to think bad thoughts, but it's constantly thinking good thoughts. And may I tell you that the greatest way to do that is saturate your mind with the Word of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 119.11, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the word hidden literally means to store up, to to load. You know, I'm still trying after several years to, to learn about a computer. One thing I have learned about a computer, it only has so much memory. After you have fully loaded the computer, the memory of that computer cannot carry any more information. The psalmist says, your mind is to be so loaded with the truth of God's word that there is no room for the lies of the devil. And finally, we are to renew the mind The Bible clearly teaches that any mind, no matter how dirty, distorted, deceived, or damaged, can be renewed. Ephesians 4.22 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. God apparently thinks we can. Romans 12.2 tells us we are to be continuously transformed by the renewing of our mind. It can be done. Lastly, I heard about a woman who had invited a man to come and live in her home, though she was not married to him. Eventually, it became more than an economical arrangement, but they were still unmarried and living together. After a while, her conscience began to bother her. She knew that she was doing wrong. She asked the man to leave, but he refused. He said, you invited me here, and I'm not leaving. My clothes are here. My belongings are here. I am not leaving. She said, this is my place. I'm commanding you to leave. He laughed at her, and he said, you can't make me leave. You can't put me out. He continued to stay. She was so embarrassed, humiliated, and convicted that she had done wrong by inviting him to come in and live with her, but she didn't know what to do. She finally went and talked with the lawyer. The lawyer arranged to see a judge, and the judge issued an injunction that said the man had no legal right and that he must move out. Well, she went back with this legal injunction and said to him, now I'm telling you to move out. He began to cry and to howl and to complain. She just stood on her legal ground, and after a lot of protest, he left because he knew he had to go. Listen carefully. The devil is just like that. There are some of you here today who have given a place to the devil and he has come and he's gotten some stronghold in your heart and in your mind and in your life. And you've asked him to leave, but he won't leave. You've commanded him to leave, but he won't leave. You've begged him to leave, but he won't leave. I will tell you this. If you will go to heaven's court with prayer and thanksgiving and get the Lord's power of attorney and then command him to leave in the name of Jesus, he will not play any more mind games with you. Remember, we do have weapons. They're not carnal, but they're powerful and they can tear down any stronghold. They can cast down any argument and they can bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Listen, when you have victory in your mind, you will have victory in your body and you will have victory in your soul. Amen? Amen? Service is ended, but your worship is not. We worship 24-7. We worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for we worship the one true God. <laughs> so you go out and you proclaim unto all the world that the... Good Lord lays before you. Amen? See you next week. Oh, Monday night Bible study. We'll see you then.